Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 346. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Reichstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How's we're, it going? We're trying out this uh, this microphone thing again. Kevin's not joining us from the phone this week, so hopefully, hopefully it won't sound too bad. We're giving it another, another go here. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Ryan Johnson's Knives Out along with someone we're watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Remember to please consider reviewing us on iTunes if you get a chance. That would be incredible. No housekeeping this week. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday in the U.S. Yes. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. You? Yeah. I watched a lot of movies that we'll get to. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy! It's it's the, that that year end catch up. That's what's happening. Cramming them all in, just cramming. Keep it short. I will. Don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> gloss over some. I, I think maybe there's probably a couple that we m- might do like full reviews on, depending on oh, okay. what the, what the gotcha. what the coming weeks look like. So with that, okay. let's let's jump into our review. We're talking about Knives Out. Again, this is directed by Ryan Johnson, also written by Ryan Johnson. I have a synopsis here. Detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. This features a very robust cast. Love, love, loving the cast here on this movie. You got Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, Catherine Langford, uh, Ricky Lindholm is in there. Frank Oz is in there. <laughs> Frank Oz. Who else am, am I missing? I'm missing Noah Segan, of course. Anybody else that I'm missing? Edie Patterson. Great cast. Great ensemble. Now, this is uh, this is sort of structured as your classic who done it? I feel like we haven't had a really solid who done it in quite a long time. Kevin, we'll start with you. Now I know you're a big fan of the who done it, as am I. What did what did, what were your initial impressions of Knives Out? Uh yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm a I would necessarily say a huge fan. I'm I'm a prisoner to them as I've said before, where it's just this compulsion that I have that if someone even suggests that someone might have done something and pauses, you know, the question of who done it, I have to find out. I have to see. I have to wait around and find out. I might not enjoy it at all, but I still got to know. I mean, that's how I've watched most of the Law & Orders. I don't really like Law & Order. I don't like that show. It's stupid. But if I catch a glimpse of it, I got to stay there. <laughs> Got to see it, see it through to the end. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Knives Out is uh, is is pretty damn enjoyable uh, viewing experience. I gotta say, I did. There's a couple of times where it got a little bit too cute with it. Uh, you know, Ryan Johnson got a bit cute with his uh, his screenplay there, which is just a little a little cringy. But I think for the most part, you know, it's a it's a pretty tight. That, uh, like 130 minutes, I think. Yeah. Uh, like a little over yeah. two hours. 
but it's it's a pretty tight two plus hours. I will say. I agree. It, it felt it felt pretty light and breezy to me. I yeah, I completely agree. I think that he keeps things moving. There's everything moves at a really nice clip. Like you, you're going from uh, sequence to sequence. You got flashbacks in there. Everything moves along very very nicely. I feel like there's not a whole lot in here that that necessarily could have been trimmed out or should have been trimmed out. I thought that it was a really tight. Uh, runtime. Yes, it was over two hours, but it was like I didn't feel that. Like looking, <laughs> looking at. I just just now looked at the runtime when you mentioned it, and I was like, oh wow, didn't really realize that it was that long. Yeah. So I, I felt like it was sort of a perfect runtime. You're dealing with a lot of characters in here. You know, this is a this is a big cast, and there's a lot of moving parts to it. A lot of twists and turns, and. I think that the the runtime lent, lent itself to that and uh, and allowed uh, allowed Ryan Johnson to really sort of flesh out this story and the characters. Yeah, I think it did it do a pretty decent job of that having this many characters, but none of them really. I mean, for the most part, none of them felt uh, you know like completely underdeveloped. I mean, there's some of the the outlying characters. Yeah, okay, I, I you know I could see that. They were a bit a bit thin and, and just kind of used in a couple of spots when needed. But overall, I think pretty well done. Now they, like again, the only thing that I was actually kind of surprised about, and I don't know how you felt about this, but there was a good part of me that was expecting more comedy. Not to say that it's not funny. You know, I did chuckle here and there, but I just it didn't really come off as like a full blown comedy to me. No, I I wouldn't I don't know if I would classify it as a comedy. Certainly, there are a lot of funny moments and and I also laughed a pretty decent amount, but there were several times throughout this that I realized that I was just smiling. Like I was just having even though I might not have been outwardly laughing, I I had yeah. an absolute blast with this from start to finish. So, there were a couple times where I was like, oh, I'm just, I was just grinning. I felt myself grinning throughout this whole movie just because I was having such a good time with it and just deal, just being there with this, this, uh, eccentric family, as it says in the synopsis and just seeing where, you know, this mystery leads. I, I just, I thought it was just so much fun. It might, might be one of the most enjoyable theatrical experiences I've had this year. I could see that. I don't. I don't know if it was just there was this expectation that I built into it because of Daniel Craig's southern draw that he has. You know, seeing that in the trailer that led me to think this was going to be more of a, you know, more of a more of a comedy. But when it, you know, it seemed like it was fully planted in like the murder mystery thing. I was like, oh, okay, this isn't okay. But why? Why is the Daniel Craig voice. Why? <laughs> I just had trouble with that. I think because it's like, why is he doing that then? If this isn't a comedy, comedy. Mm. Did he? Did he need to do that? <laughs> I don't know. Just the idea of Daniel Craig doing that voice I to thought... me just it, it, it communicates to me that hey, this is going to be a comedy, guys. I thought I thought it was great. I, I I liked the character. I think that that goes back to 
you know, the sort of classic detective story where you have the the sort of goofy, eccentric, you know, brilliant detective character. I will say the only thing that that voice helped with was his whole donut hole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes on that because it did work for that. I mean, it's God donut hole. I thought that was that was great. I thought performances across the board were again, I think that the the performances here were it just just aided in the my enjoyment of the of the movie. They they were so over the top and the characters like you just know when watching this that or at least it seems like all of the actors that were involved in this just had a had a, a really fun time making this movie and portraying these ridiculous characters. Yes. I I loved Lakeith Stanfield's character. He plays sort of the straight, you know, the straight detective on this, just reacting to these ridiculous people and their, you know, first world problems and, and just how silly all of them are. And I thought that casting him in in that role of, of just this cop who has to deal with them. I thought that that was just some really brilliant casting. Of course, Tony Collette was a nut and I, I, I thought her character was really funny uh, too. I thought they were all really solid. I did enjoy. Yeah. I, I enjoyed everyone. I think to me, the no Seagam was Pretty great as the trooper because he's just, he was just into oh, it. Oh, yeah. He was not professional at all. <laughs> he's just, he's enjoying himself. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought Noah Segan was great. He was, he was just because he was, you know, he's like a fanboy. Like he, he, he's he was just, just starstruck. He's just so starstruck the whole time. He's just so excited. <laughs> like, not only, point out. yeah, like not only was he excited to be in the presence of the, the, the Thromby family, but he was like, the reason that he was such a huge fan is because the, he, he wrote mystery novels. So he was like kind of obsessed with like the whole, you know, whodunit thriller to begin with. So to be involved in an actual whodunit, I think he was just losing his shit the whole time. And it was incredible. <laughs> Now, without without spoiling anything, what did you think of the actual mystery, the the, the turns that it took, the outcome, all of that? I don't know. It's it's tough to say because to me, I mean, from the outset, it's pretty obvious. And in that regard, I didn't think it was that really that great of a whodunit. Because it, to me, it was pretty straightforward to begin with. Not straightforward in the sense of like every single like step that happens and why it happens, but who would inevitably be be the person responsible? You know that that okay. To me, that was pretty much you knew that from the outset, which was kind of bit of a letdown. But at the same time, it was also kind of impressive that still able to make it as entertaining and as enthralling as it was because at a certain point it didn't really 
really became less of of you know who done it. You know, it was more so a matter of how yeah. and why. And I think that that always makes for the best type of who done it. That even after you discover who the culprit was, there there's the far the the more entertaining aspect of it is the the steps that they took, the plan, how they executed it, and like the complexity of why they're doing this and their motivations and all of that stuff. And I thought that all of that was really great. I, I will agree with you that Ryan Johnson also avoided throwing a lot of red herrings into it as well, which I, which I appreciated. I don't, I don't like, I, f- I find red herrings to be kind of lazy uh, a lot of the time. And he pretty much avoided those, like all the pieces fit together very nicely in this. And there's a lot of clues and, when you go back and think about it, there's a lot of like little subtle things that you can see a lot of, a lot of breadcrumbs and not a whole lot of just dead ends. Yeah. Which I really appreciated, but yeah, I, I, uh, I will agree that it, it's not like a, like a bombshell or anything, but yeah. the more interesting th- things, uh, the more interesting things happen after, you discover who did it. And I, I certainly appreciate that too. I don't really have too many negative criticisms with this, with this movie. I just thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. I just, I just, I thought it was so well-crafted. The only thing that gets me a little bit is the, like the stand in for what this movie is. Uh, like, you know, the deliberate choices of Marta immigrant family so much talk talk of the trump stuff and just you ever you know that whole overarching thing symbolism wise was just it was too much for me it was a bit ridiculous like it should just be a, a you know a standard entertaining whodunit yeah i don't think the political stuff really worked too well it's it's very it is very overt it didn't bother me too much but yeah it's it's certainly and and it didn't bother me too much because i think like yes it's overt and yes it's like throughout the entire film just the way everything's set up but at the same time it's very easy to just be like i'm not gonna pay attention to that i'm just gonna focus in on the whodunit thing and it doesn't you know what i mean ignoring those aspects of the movie doesn't isn't detrimental to the movie itself like you can just ignore that section of it and just be like okay, okay, yeah thank you and then work with the rest of it and it's fine it works fine i really enjoyed of course the the home the, the like the mansion and everything i thought that it all looked incredible i love that it had like hidden rooms and secret doors and all of that stuff everything felt very ornate and I just loved all the set design in this as well. I thought it was all pretty incredible. Yeah, it's pretty much like the perfect house for a whodunit. I just miss mysteries like this. Like, I just feel like we don't get enough of them. So I just found everything about this to be so refreshing. I hear you. I hear you. But there's also a clue. You can always just rewatch 
Clue. Well, it's funny. Just, do you think it's better than Clue? Do I think it's better than Clue? Do you think it's better than Clue? Mm, well, it's been many years since I've seen Clue. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea either. I just know that I love Clue, but I, I haven't seen it either for a while. So I don't even, I have, I'm sure it holds up. I think it probably does hold up, but it's, I, I do want to, I do re, want to rewatch Clue pretty, pretty badly. I know. Cause I just, I just realized like it hit me really hard that I really want to watch Clue <laughs> yeah. like, right now. <laughs> well, they, I love how they even mentioned Clue in this movie, which I thought that that line was, yes. was funny. <laughs> yeah. I thought that the, the alt-right son was funny. <laughs> Yeah, no one was really worried about that kid. I feel like they should be more worried, but they are rich, so yeah. Well, you know, they just don't care. Yeah, it's it seemed like his dad, who was the Michael Shannon character, Walt Walt Thromby, was pretty. <laughs> he just didn't understand it. He was pretty aloof to the whole thing. Everybody else knew, but he was just kind of aloof. Yeah, I also, I think my favorite moment, just everything about it, is Michael Shannon just screaming in Chris Evans' face with a sleeve of Biscoff cookies. Yeah. Just berating him and tell him to eat more cookies. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Uh, All right. Any final thoughts? I don't think we need to do a spoiler section on this or anything. I think that it's it's just best to go in completely cold on this and just enjoy it for what it is. I, I don't think it's necessary that we dive into the spoilers. No, I don't think so. All right. What are you going to give Knives Out out of 10? Hmm, I give not. I'm thinking like a seven and a half. I might lean towards an eight. I'm just a little bit apprehensive of an eight. I think it's still too early for me to commit to that. So we'll see in a couple of days. Okay. I'm sitting at like an eight and a half on this one. Okay. I think this, this will, I think this will most likely end up on my top 10 of the year. Certainly. I I had a feeling it would. I think I'm going to do my top 10 a little bit different this year. Whereas in previous years, I would do what I thought the best movies were of the year. I think this year I'm just going to do my favorites, just my my personal favorites. Yes, and not do it. Not. I mean, that's that's essentially what best means anyway. Even if you're saying these yeah. are the movies that I think are the best. In, I mean, in, in previous years though, there were a lot of movies that I liked that I like liked personally more than you know some of the things that were higher up on the list. But oh yeah, this year I'm just straight, just straight like personal personal preference i'm not i'm not gonna be i mean obviously you can't be <laughs> when you're making a top 10 list you're not really you can't be completely objective but i try to be more objective well in my top it's, tens. Just, it's inherently impossible just from the fact like if, if you give me a top 10 list i'm just gonna be like well how many 2019 movies did you see and you're gonna tell me the number and i'm just gonna be like well this is ridiculous Okay, well, why would I listen to your list? You've seen maybe like maybe an eighth of them. Because, I mean, just all the stuff that comes out. You know what I mean? Like, it's not possible to see everything. Uh, anyway, that's Knives Out. That is playing in theaters right now. And I would highly recommend checking it out.
it's worth it to go see it in this one in the theater, I think. Yeah, I had to. Because like you said, I think this might be one of the more enjoyable times I had at the movie theater this year. Probably this and Crawl. Yeah, Crawl was fun. Yeah. All right, let's talk about someone we're watching. As I said at the top of the show, I have been I've watched a ridiculous number of movies uh, that I'm here we go that I'm cr- that I'm cramming in. So I'm going to keep my thoughts as brief as I can for these, and I'm I'm going to omit some of the the older ones. You can check out my my list on Letterboxd to see everything I've been cramming in there. Uh, the first one I'll mention is The Irishman. Oh. Yeah, this is uh, this is the big Scorsese movie. It's on Netflix right now. I thought it was incredible. It's again certainly one of the best movies of the year. It is epic. Uh, I know that the first thing everybody talks about is the runtime on this one, and I I think that that's a shame. That that's like the first day. That that's like the the, the primary thing people talk about is the runtime on a movie and it's like I feel like that that's sort of overshadowing all of the incredible uh performances in here just I mean yes it's on Netflix but man it is very very much a Scorsese movie I mean it's it's really up there it's great to see him going back to the gangster movie and this is a hell of a gangster movie and I it's also great to see him you know reteaming with Bobby D, Al Pacino, Pesci, and then you have people like Ray Romano in there, uh, Bobby Cannavale's in there, Harvey Keitel, great cast. And the uh, if you're not familiar, it's the story of Frank Sheeran, who is basically a hitman for the mob, and he was heavily involved with. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa, Pacino plays Hoffa, and Frank Sheeran is played by Robert De Niro. It's great. It is long. It's three and a half hours long. So it's, it it is, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this movie. It spans decades, like decades. It basically is his whole life. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of stuff to cover. And Yes, it is long, but and, and yes, I do believe if he if 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 Scorsese really wanted to, he could have trimmed it down and and kept it more concise. But I understand what he was doing. He wanted to go through this this man's whole life. And one of the interesting things is, you know, a lot of these mob movies sort of end with, you know, the person either dying or going to jail. And then that's sort of the end of the movie. And then you have your little thing that pops up at the end and says whatever happened to him, right? In this one, mm-hmm. it just straight up follows him. It follows him into old age and, you know, it follows him into him, like his body shutting down on him as he becomes older and and uh, ends up in like a nursing home and goes all the way through to the end of his life. And I thought that that was kind of uh, an interesting take on this this uh like mob story i also didn't have a problem with the de-aging stuff you know that's another thing that a lot of people are talking about is that they de-age 
a lot of the characters in this movie. I, I didn't really have a problem with it. I didn't think it looked bad. I thought it looked pretty damn good. It was a subtle de-aging. It wasn't like crazy over the top or anything. So I can recommend The Irishman. And I would also recommend taking the time to just watch it in one sitting. I don't, I don't think, I think that you get more out of it if you can get through it in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. I'd give that a shot. I'd give that a shot, but <laughs> not happening. I can tell you that right now. But I am I am looking forward to this one. And I think, you know, because I'm a person, you know, I think that that was a bit of a subtweet at the beginning there of people in run times. And I am a person that, you know, I that's one of the first things that I look at. But I think with like, when it comes to Scorsese, I mean, I I know that runtime going in. Like, I don't even need to check it, right? Irishman comes out, and I'm like, yeah, this is probably like three plus hours. And I also trust him to know what he's doing for three plus hours. Right. Unlike some directors who try and do that straight out the fucking gate. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, wow, you're not a talented storyteller. Like, you should not be doing, you're just rambling for three hours. I'll be honest, it didn't feel like three and a half hours. I mean... You feel the length for sure. I mean, I think it's impossible not to, but I didn't find myself getting antsy or anything like that. I, I, I did watch it at home. I didn't watch it in the theater. Gotcha. Also Pesci, man. Come back. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm most excited for. I'm most excited to see Joe Pesci. Yeah. It's crazy. Like we haven't seen him in at least a decade. So for him to come back, I think it's that that's pretty incredible. And, and of course, there's a lot of really great scenes with De Niro and Pacino just chewing up the scenery together. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny, man. Like they just they none of them lost it, you know, with as they got older. You know, sometimes when actors get older, they just they kind of lose it and they're not really at the at the height of their their game anymore and with these guys it's just like they just they go right back into it and they're just killing it just scene after scene just just (laughs) murdering just murdering sometimes sometimes Uh, literally depending on the scene in this movie because it is it is uh you know it's a mob movie so there is some violence and of course it's that scorsese style where it's like brutally realistic where you're just like oh my god and they all it always happens and like it's just so shocking i look forward to it i watched the fanatic in 2019 (laughs) i i do want to see this i i do still want to see this you have to because a it's not bad it's not like a bad like i was kind of going into it kind of expecting this just to be a fucking train wreck right and it kind of is it's a little bit of a train wreck, but for the most part, it's not really. And the, the thing that's just hard to get over is John Travolta's character of Moose, who is the fanatic, who kind of loses it. And he plays him as, I don't know if where on the autism spectrum he's supposed to be, but he, you know, he plays him that way. And it's just ridiculous, this stuff that he does. And, you know, of course, it it escalates and it escalates. 
and kind of culminates with a I would I want to say it's violent. It tries to go for tense, like it tries to be like a very tense scene. This this a culmination at the end here, but I it just didn't really work that well for me. And then it just it kind of just kind of fizzled out at the end. I thought it did a decent enough job of like escalating it up until the inevitability of you know this confrontation between him and you know he's obsessed with hunter dunbar the great actor hunter dunbar played by devin sawa and devin sawa is good in this and it just it felt like it was you know did a good enough job up until that point and then it just kind of kind of fizzled out stumbled down the stretch but uh it's i mean i recommend it just to see john travolta and what he's doing here because he's doing a lot. He's doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the first things he says is he goes into this store and he says, hi, whoever the guy's name is. He's like, ah, I can't be long. I have to take a poo. And like, like that's how you're introduced to him. And, you know, he, you've seen the still photographs of like what he's wearing, the outfits that he's mm-hmm. wearing. The haircut mm-hmm. that he has, he drives around a little Vespa scooter type deal. I mean, it's it's something else. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to give this a look before the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I think Amazon Prime has it. I think that's where I watched it. And that's a uh, fanatic. Is it the fanatic or just fanatic? Yeah, the fanatic. <laughs> The fucking fanatic. Uh, I saw Jojo Rabbit. This is directed by Taika Waititi. Very excited for this one. This is like one of my most anticipated movies of the year. If for some reason you're not familiar, it takes place during World War II in Germany. And it is about a kid who is in the, the Hitler youth. And he has an imaginary friend who is Hitler. And his imaginary Hitler friend just gives him life advice and just gets him through the day. He gets picked on by the other kids in the, in the, the Hitler youth brigade or whatever the hell you want to call it. And, uh, he, what happens is he ends up discovering that his mom played by uh, Scarlett Johansson is hiding a, a young Jewish girl in their house. And he sort of, you know, hates her at first, but then he starts to get to know her and they develop a friendship and it causes him to rethink this whole Nazi thing. And it's, you know, I, I thought it would be funnier than it was. And I guess I, I just, I don't know what I think. Well, the problem with this movie is that my expectations were just way too high for it. And I, I don't exactly know what I was expecting and I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't at the the level that I kind of hoped it would be. Uh, so in some regards, I was a little bit let down with it. It is, it is very funny, but the overall narrative, I just mm, was left wanting a little bit more 
from. Uh, there's some really, you know, it does, it tackles the subject. I mean, this is a really tricky subject to tackle in a comedy. And I thought that, that Watiti did a really good job of sort of straddling that line where he does a good job of poking fun of the Nazis and how ridiculous everything was, but he never minimizes or diminishes the atrocities that were happening during that time. So there are a number of scenes that you see that are quite shocking and tough to watch. You know, Sam Rockwell is in this too. He was pretty great in it. Uh, Rebel Wilson is in it. She's really funny too. She plays, uh, both of them play Nazi officers. Uh, Rebel Wilson plays this like, not sure really what her role is, but she's working with the Nazis as well. The kid did a really great job too, Roman Griffin Davis, I believe. He he does a really great job, but yeah, overall, I'd say it's it's worth a look, but I just wasn't quite as enamored with it as I was some of his other films. This this one felt really really reminiscent of a Wes Anderson movie. I think that all of that this that's was the kind of thing that I was getting vibes from and it was just everything about it to me was just kind of off-putting. It's just like, you know, like Wes Anderson's Holocaust. Yeah. Just like, I don't want that. I think I think a lot of Watiti's stuff has sort of a Wes Anderson vibe, but this one, like, really, feels, like, yeah. really, I mean, the music selection, the, the, the color palette, or we have like a lot of like kind of pastels in this and stuff. It just, it all feels, and a lot of the, a lot of the specific camera shots to feel very reminiscent of a Wes Anderson movie and, and just like the, like the kids in the camp and stuff that they're in where they're like throwing grenades and stuff. Yes, that's true. Very, it, it, feel, it feels very, very much like a Wes Anderson movie. Well, um, I too got to watch a movie. Maybe my movie has been on my, uh, anticipated list for a little bit longer than Jojo rabbit was for you. Um, and that's two planes. <laughs> Here we fancy. go. <laughs> Those of you listening, this has been on Kevin's <laughs> most anticipated list for about five years. <laughs> so this is the newest, uh, movie directed by Whitney Horn, Lev Cowman. They did L for leisure. If anyone remembers that movie, if you saw that movie, hell yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I think me and you both en- uh, enjoyed that one quite a bit i know that it's uh partially not right to you know kind of pit this against alpha leisure but it was going from alpha leisure to two planes and a fancy this was a bit of a letdown it just it just didn't hit the same way that alpha leisure did like it still had kind of the pretty much the overall same kind of tone where it's just this kind of loose just kind of stream of consciousness, whatever happens, comedy type deal. Now, this one here, instead of like Elf for Leisure, where it was, you know, like spring break in the 90s or whatever, this is in out west in the olden days, in the 1890s. You got you got two women, they're the two planes, and then you have a fancy, the dandy, and they're going around, they're checking out like natural spas, hot spas, checking it out doing some research and whatnot. And I mean, there's 
moments here and there that are kind of enjoyable. They're kind of humorous, but just not at, you know, not at the clip that kept me entirely engaged throughout. I mean, thankfully, there is some gorgeous cinematography just of the landscapes, just the natural landscape kept me occupied because there's there seems to be a lot of that too where there's just this lot of i don't want to say filler but it almost comes across that way where it's just a lot of b-roll just had a lot of establishing shots let's let's throw some music on and just let's show some some buttes and mesas and some mountains and then you know it just kind of cycles through that until you get to the next you know whatever little bit skit thing that they do so i mean for me I've been waiting five years, for Christ's sake, and uh, it was it was a letdown. Hmm, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and that's two planes in a fancy. Let let us never utter that title again. <laughs> it's a good title, though. To be clear, it is a good title. It is a good title. Uh, I saw the report. This is uh, now available on Amazon Prime. Ooh, yeah. This is real the quick. Two, two planes and a fancy was on Amazon Prime as well. Ah, Sorry. okay. Is that like stream? Uh, that's free on Prime. Yep. Okay. Uh, this is also free on Prime. The report, directed by Scott Z. Burns, stars Adam Driver, Net Bedding, John Hamm is in this, and it's the tells the true story of Daniel Jones, who was the lead investigator for the. The, the the investigation into the uh, CIA's detention and, ter- and interrogation program, the torture program, if you remember mm-hmm. remember that whole fiasco. So this is a political thriller that, that just dives into the incredible amount of work and time that it took to put together this report, the, the crazy things that they found, and then the subsequent cover up not not cover up but a, attempted suppression of the report where even after so it took him like 5 years to compile this and the initial report was like 7000 pages long and even after he like boiled it down into like a 400 page summary they didn't want to they didn't want to release it they didn't want to do anything about it they just wanted to sort of sweep it under the rug and this was the Obama administration actually by the time you know, this was finished. It was in the Obama administration. And uh, it's pretty good. You know, it's it's your pretty standard political thriller. It reminded me, I feel like there's at least one of these that come out every year around, you know, Oscar season. And this is, this is just another one. It felt like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Was, what was the one that came out? There's like the big short. There's the big short. The informant, which this guy wrote. Wasn't the informant? Didn't that have? I thought that that was kind of somewhat similar. But he also produced the laundromat. Because wasn't, isn't the laundromat the, is it the Panama Papers? Is that what the laundromat The is laundromat then? is the Panama Papers, yeah. And then what was the, what was the big one? The Big Daddy with Meryl Streep in them. Post? Oh, that's the one. Yeah, the post. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, so there's. I feel like there's just one of these that pops up every year, and you know this this one. It was fine. Like I didn't. I didn't have too many problems with it. It was engaging. It was uh, a, a fascinating story. I think that it's something that we should all be 
aware of like that how this happened and how it went down and the fact that all of the people that were responsible for essentially torturing or carrying out the torture of detainees many of whom were innocent they nothing happened to them there were no repercussions no one was fired in fact a lot of these people ended up getting promoted the Mm -hmm. the two guys that created the the program ended up making millions of dollars of of taxpayer money Mm -hmm. through through the contract they had and so i think that it is an essential piece of history that we all need to be aware of and um so i I think it's an important film but as far as the 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 movie itself it's pretty average you know good 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 they they normally are yeah i mean Good performances across the board. Adam Driver was great. Annette Benning was she was really great too. But yeah, you know, it was it was fine. I don't have much more to say about it. Other than that, I would recommend giving it a giving it a watch on uh, Amazon Prime. That's it for me. So I saw Daniel Isn't Real. This is a horror movie that's coming out on Friday. This is directed by Adam Egypt Mortimer. This is a psychological thriller. Just imagine a like a horror movie version of Drop Dead Fred, and that's what Daniel Isn't Real is. It's about this guy who he had a an imaginary friend when he was little, and the imaginary friend essentially had him attempt to kill his mom, and after that she survived, but after that happened, he locked Daniel away in his mind. And as an adult, he ends up letting Daniel back out. And at first, everything's going good. Daniel's helping him out, helping him, like, be confident and talk to women and just be a be a better person, I guess, at first. But then he starts to do some really evil, nefarious things. And, like, he's not sure if he's going crazy because his mom is schizophrenic and she ends up in a hospital so he thinks that he's like going insane but it turns out that there's there may be something else going on here something a little bit more supernatural and at first i was like uh you know this is this is fine it's nothing nothing great but at the end towards the end of the movie towards the big climax it's it goes off the rails in a pretty big way and that's when i was like whoa this okay they're doing some really interesting stuff here there's some crazy like makeup effects going on and it gets pretty wild towards the end so it it definitely redeemed itself at the end because it goes to some pretty weird places nice not not at all what i expected so uh, I would give it a light recommend. Daniel isn't real, and again, that'll be on that. that'll be on um, VOD on Friday as well. I have uh, to check that out because as soon as you said goes off the rails, yeah, so, yes, it gets a little yes, it's a little crazy. It it almost I wish every horror movie just went off the rails. Yeah, it almost feels uh, it almost feels like an like a throwback to like eighties or nineties. Uh, where there's like lots of prosthetics and stuff being used. Yes. Uh, I also saw Little Joe. This is directed by Jessica Hausner. This is a sci-fi horror movie uh, that is about. So it's it stars Emily Beecham as a a, a botanist. She's like uh, 
she's engineering new plants that have different medicinal properties. And she develops this plant that when you sniff it, it makes you feel good. Like, so it re- like releases oxytocin or something in your brain that it's basically an antidepressant plant that okay. just by having it in your home uh, will help make you happier. And it turns out that uh, there's something really awful going on with these plants. Like there's, it didn't go right. It did not go according to plan. And she names the plants little Joe because her son's name is Joe. And as it turns out, little Joe is up to no good. This is one that I thought started off really compelling. The, the music is really jarring like the music in this is just it it almost feels asian inspired like there's a lot of asian instruments and things in it but then like it'll just randomly go to like sort of this almost industrial noise where they're like uh, there's like loud barking dogs and that's like part of the score yeah it's very uh really kind of a unique score on this i liked the look of it everything in this movie feels very very sterile lots of like really kind of faded colors and a lot of it takes place in this this like lab so yeah everything looks very clean and then you have like you know this this like white lab and then you have these like bright red creepy looking flowers everywhere and so i liked the the aesthetics of it quite a bit I wasn't a big fan of it overall. I thought that the messaging was a little off and I think you you might be able to, it could be easy to misconstrue the, the message behind this movie. And unless the message is that antidepressants are bad and no one should ever take them. Uh, Cause that's kind of what it seems like they're going for here, <laughs> but it sort of has a body snatchers vibe to it. Yeah, it didn't it didn't really stick the landing for me, so I can't really recommend Little Joe. Uh hope to have a review for that up shortly. Uh the other one I'll mention is Honey Boy. Now we might be this is the one I was thinking that we, we might review. Yeah, we probably will. Yeah. So uh I I won't I won't really get into to Honey Boy. We'll save that for uh, a future episode. Uh, I'll end it off with uh, something that I started to do last week and then continued into this week. And that's started getting into the films of Cynthia Rothrock. Uh, if you're not familiar with Cynthia Rothrock, she was a, a big action actress who s- sort of came up in the, the Hong Kong scene in the uh, mid eighties. And I really wasn't super familiar with her filmography and I wanted to, I, I started to watch Yes, Madam, like a long time ago, like months and months ago, but I never finished it. And so I, so last week I finished Yes, Madam, which is directed by Corey Yun and stars Cynthia Rothrock alongside Michelle Yeoh. And uh, I also watched Above the Law, which is also known as Writing Wrongs. And I watched Magic Crystal from 1986. Cynthia Rothrock, I think it was a really underrated action, action star. I'm kind of surprised that she 
didn't have a bigger career. I mean, she's in a lot of movies, but she, it's, it seemed like she was always playing second fiddle to someone else. And mm-hmm. I think it's just a shame because she's so talented, not acting wise, like acting wise. I'm not, I'm not so sure about, but just her, her physical abilities. I mean, she just, I mean, it's almost worth it to just watch. I, I think that instead of watching these full movies, you could probably just watch YouTube clips of Cynthia Rothrock in the various action scenes that she's in, because it's just incredible. Like she's when, when I'm watching some of these eighties, Hong Kong Kung Fu flicks, it's just like, they don't make them like this anymore. Like movies like this just don't exist anymore. I felt the same way when I was, when I watched the uh, criterion versions of uh, police story one and two. Yeah. The most interesting <laughs> of the three that I watched. F- yes. Madam was the best. I mean, the action scenes in that are incredible. Uh, Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock just kicking everybody's ass. It's just, it's insane. It's so much fun. Uh, and it looks very dangerous too. That's, that's the other thing. One of the, 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 in, the most interesting one out of the three that I watched is magic crystal, which is so bizarre. It involves it stars, Andy Lau and Andy Lau teams up with Cynthia Rothrock. Cynthia Rothrock plays an Interpol agent and they're trying to hunt down this crystal that is actually an alien. So it has like a mouth and like little feet. <laughs> so it's got this like ET vibe. So it's like, it's a Kung Fu movie, but it also has elements of ET, but also Indiana Jones. And it's just this weird amalgamation of these three movies or these three types of movie. And the action is like almost there's so much of it. There's just fight scene after fight scene after fight scene. It's just like almost wall to wall action. And it's just, it's so weird and so much fun. I would definitely recommend seeking out magic crystal from 1986. So bizarre. Andy. Yeah. There's a great fight scene with Andy Lau where he fights a bunch of dudes with an umbrella and it's really, really excellent work. All right, let's take a look at what we have coming out this week in theaters. We got a, a, a some more stuff than last week. Last week was pretty light due to the holiday. Okay, so this week we have Playmobil the movie. Uh, this one looks so bad. I don't know if you saw any trailers for this. Oh my goodness! Were you into Playmobil stuff when you were a kid? Uh, no, that was something that I envied. People have Playmobil, and I wish I had Playmobil. But I never did. I had a couple of the the sets. It's it. The, people compare it to Lego, and but the but the difference here is like with Playmobil, you don't build anything. Like the toys are just like play sets. There's nothing yeah. to build with Playmobil. Exactly. I, but but I can also understand the comparison, especially with the movie. When you look at the trailer for the movie, it looks pretty much like a Lego movie ripoff, and uh, it's it's yeah. Not, although I do see here that Keenan Thompson is voicing a character named Bloodbones. Bloodbones. Yeah. Well, there's your movie. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's like a Viking or a pirate or. Should just keep guessing. The movie called Bloodbones. Keenan Thompson is Bloodbones. Uh, we we also have Dark Waters coming out. The this is the one with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Anne Hathaway, directed by Todd Haynes. It's about uh, 
I think it's, it's about the water. Uh, I think DuPont. Uh, yeah, it's, it's affected, I think, pretty much everyone. Everything in the world. The, the harmful chemicals that they've used. I'm interested in this one. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a look. In Fabric is coming out. This this one I'm really excited for. This is the new Peter Strickland one. Finally. Yeah. F- very excited for this. It's about a about like a killer dress, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's about a killer dress. Well, I mean, the poster does say a killer dress, so I, it seems like all signs point that way. Yeah. Well, I'm all about everything that Peter Strickland does, so yes, sign me up. We also have The Islands coming out. This is uh, about, uh, I think it might be a faith-based movie. Ooh. Tells the incredible true story of Chiefus Capiolani, who descended into an active volcano to demonstrate her newfound faith in Christ and who ushered in a new beginning in Hawaii. Oh, God. Yeah. Directed by Timothy A. Che, who... It hasn't really done a whole lot of note. He was the writer on a movie called Freedom that came out in 2015, starring Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay. Looks look kind of rough. We have Daniel Isn't Real coming out. The Wolf Hour, starring Naomi Watts. We'll have a review for this up on the site. The Aeronauts. This is the one about hot air balloons. <laughs> Yeah. You got the uh-huh. uh, the old Eddie Redmayne, Felicity Jones combo coming back. There you go. <laughs> Hot air balloons. Hot air balloons. This is directed by Tom Harper. So there's that. Yeah. He also did Wild Rose this year. He's putting out two. Yeah. Put out two. Put out two. Oh, my. Yeah, this is uh, this one is I, don't, I haven't really seen much about this. Like, the, it's kind of. I feel like this is one that's, that's sort of been under the radar. I mean, it doesn't look very good. No, it almost, it kind of looks like a joke movie. <laughs> I, I was, uh, so we, we got sent uh, some, we got sent a screener for this for year end consideration. And I was talking to Ken about it. And I was like, this reminds me of that other movie that came out about Edison and Tesla. Like that, 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 I can't even remember the name of it, but it like came oh, and went so fast. God, yeah. What was that? God damn I, it. I can't remember. It was, I, it was like the, I want to say like the mastermind or something like that, but I know it's not that. <laughs> uh, but either way, this, these two movies remind me of each other. Just, I don't know why. It's like weird biopics that just fly under the radar. Yeah. We also have The Disappearance of My Mother, which is a documentary that looks pretty interesting. It's about this uh, guy whose uh, mother was a famous model, and she decides that she wants to like go into seclusion and completely cut herself off from the entire world, including her son. Okay. Portrait of a Lady on Fire coming out. Okay. There's another one. A lot of, a lot of hype around mm-hmm. this one. Yeah. Lots of hype. Hyping this one up big time. Are you are you interested in this one? Are you gonna give it a I, look? I I hope to see it. I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to see it before year end. I'm gonna try my best. We'll see see what happens. Okay. 
That's sort of how I feel about it. Like I, I, I do want to try to squeeze this in before the end of the year. Like I'm pretty sure a movie like this wouldn't make it on any of my lists, but possibly performances and things like that. So wanna, I do, I do want to try to squeeze it in. A Million Little Pieces is coming out. This is a thriller from the looks of it. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, who is the wife of Aaron Taylor Johnson, who stars in this. 23 years apart, those two. Mm-hmm. She's 23 years older than him, which is... So he's 29, she's 52. Mm-hmm. And they must have met on that Nowhere Boy movie. And he probably would have been like 19. And she would have been like 46 or something. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of interesting. I actually... uh will occasionally see these two out and about. They live somewhere <laughs> relatively close to me. <laughs> what? You just drop that. Just drop that in there, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be walking around and I'll just see old the Johnson, the Taylor Johnson family. <laughs> they go out they go, they go out jogging a lot. I see them jogging all over the place. <laughs> Are they always jogging? Okay, please, so I've, please, I've, tell me, please tell me that 100% of the time it's jogging, no matter what time of day. Well, I, I don't mean to say like I see them all the time. I've seen them like three times. And the three times that I've seen them, yes, they were jogging. It, does, it doesn't matter, okay? Because in my head now, you see these guys almost daily, okay? <laughs> and it doesn't matter what time of day. they're jog- You could be out at three in the morning. They're jogging. That's... That's my world. That's what like I, I see. I used to see Judah Freelander every day, and he would always be walking vigorously wherever he was going with that, like, his long hair, like, swaying back and forth. And he just looked like he was going somewhere with purpose every time I would see him. Yeah, he had stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, we've got Midnight Family. This is a, another documentary about a, it's a family-run ambulance. Okay. Yeah, that that could be uh, that could be an interesting watch, too. We got Little Joe. Holy this is shit. another one. How many movies we got here? I See You. This is a horror, horror movie with uh, Helen Hunt in okay. it. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't look great. So that's it for theaters. Let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. We got American Hunt. That's a horror movie. We got Red Handed. That's another horror movie. We got Edie, which is uh, about a... Uh, woman going on an older woman going on an adventure after her husband passed away we got tower of silence this looks like some sort of fantasy horror we got to kid or not to kid that's the it's a documentary we got the tokolosh which is a horror movie <laughs> the tokolosh say that one more time the tokolosh nice thank you or maybe it's Tokoloshi, I don't know. We got Blood Rags coming out, obviously that's a hard movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The, 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 ta- the tagline for this one is, the price is blood. Oh. What's the price? The, pl- the price is blood. <laughs> we have the boy, the, the dog, and the clown. The tagline for this one is, to believe is magic. Oh. Yeah. Oh. The boy, the dog, and the clown. Oh. Got another horror movie called This Is Our Home. 
They dreamt of a child until he arrived. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that dream turned into a nightmare, I bet. Oh, on wow. th- Those are all on the third. On the sixth, we have Little Joe, Daniel Isn't Real, I See You. We got a new Christmas. A new Christmas. Not to be confused with the old shitty Christmas. Oh, God. We got Beyond the Law, which is starring Steven Seagal and DMX. Steven Seagal and DMX (sighs) and Johnny Messner. Wow. And it looks like that's about it for VOD. Blu-ray this week, we have Ready or Not. I would highly recommend seeing that one. Arrow is putting out Slaughterhouse-Five from 1972. It looks like Big Trouble in Little China is getting some kind of collector's edition Blu-ray and a steelbook. The steelbook doesn't look great to me. Mm. Look, they could, could have done a little bit better with that, that cover. 1982's She is coming out on Blu-ray. The Goldfinch from earlier this year. Jake Speed from 1986. That's coming out on Arrow. Jake Speed. 1984's Dog Day. I see Waterworld here. I'm pretty sure that already came out. So maybe this is some sort of like re-release that's like the non-collector's edition version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's an Arrow video release too, but that wasn't on their list that they send me every month. So I'm thinking that this is like a re-release that doesn't include all of the extra stuff that came with that that box set that they released earlier in the year. Gotcha. Semper Five from earlier this year. Portals <laughs> from earlier this year. Uh, uh, I don't know why. Just the way he said that. Uh, Who Let the Dogs Out? That's the documentary about the song Who Let the Dogs Out. <laughs> Did you tell me about I, that? I am 100%. Between, yeah. between that and Fiddler. I'm just disappointed. No, I'm 100% certain that I that I texted you about this one because I, I distinctly remember the Who Let the, the Baja Men documentary. Because I also feel like that, like if anything, you might have like called me about that. That that could be something that would warrant a phone call. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not just about the Baja Men. It's like specifically about that one song, yeah. too, which makes it even better. Which, yeah, I can't imagine that you let news of that go by without you dropping everything and getting your phone and texting me that information. Yeah, no, I, I remember I sending you. Yeah, I, I remember sending you that. It was a long time ago. Uh, that's pretty much it for Blu-ray. What about Criterions? Uh, we have two, again, uh, Tunes of Glory from 1960. Uh, not a whole lot going on there with special features, just a new 4K digital restoration. Uh, it's a couple of interviews, and that's about it for that one. And then 1933's the the story of Temple Drake, and this one also not a whole lot of special features. A couple of new programs, conversations, and interviews, that kind of thing. And that's it. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, please consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.